Welcome into RJ Bell's Dream Preview, Major League Baseball Edition. Still need a better name for that. He is former Major League pitcher Josh Towers. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And Josh, this is our first episode since the Shohei Otani injury news. A couple of weeks ago when we recorded our first episode, we put out a clip on social media about Otani's arm fatigue and how at the time you weren't too concerned because the team was just calling it arm fatigue. But after you find out that he's got the UCL injury, we don't know if he's going to have Tommy John and be out. I don't know what his future is. No one knows what his future is as a two-way player, but we do know he will not pitch for the remainder of this season your opinions now on Shohei Otani and his future, the contract, what it means for the Angels, what it means for him returning to the Angels, your take on Otani's injury. I guess what my take on Shohei Otani is he's the best player we've almost ever seen. <laughs> I mean, we still got the guy Barry Bonds, but uh, yeah, you know, when you, they word it however they want to word it, right? We always kind of... It's just downplay in the beginning. I want everybody back. I don't want to jump to conclusions as well and just say, this is what it is, and I don't know, right? And plus, optimistically, uh, many reasons. So arm fatigue is different. There's a lot of different things that can be when I say arm fatigue. It's usually never used to describe the possibility of Tommy John. So that's why when they said that, I wasn't really that concerned about... Uh, that actually never came to my mind. Like, Tommy John didn't come into my mind... When they said arm fatigue. Because usually when they say arm fatigue, they're not sending you for a scan no. and, and trying to determine if there's a tear or not. I've had uh, a billion different things, right? And dead arm's a thing, too. Like, I remember coming off a of bullpen sometimes and just tears rolling down my eyes. Like, just down my face, sorry. Um, just because you get this this dead area right here on your arm, like, uh, just between... I guess your shoulder and your elbow kind of off to the side, and there's nothing there to hurt. It's just inconsistent throwing programs or whatever the case may be, and it's ugh, it sucks. This you know, there's no other way about it. But you got to throw through it because that's that's just reality. You just throw through it is what it is. Uh, so dead arms are a real thing, and it doesn't feel good. And when our throwing programs are inconsistent, whatever the case may be on that, I, it could have been any number of things, right? Um, lats a little sore, like a billion things. Mm -hmm. Tommy John didn't cross my mind, so. Uh, I'm not sure why they chose to use those words. Belichick with the, the Patriots is always the best at giving us the least when he says stuff like that as well. Um, I don't know. I, you know, Scott, I don't know how they handle it, right? I don't know if they were trying to be cute to us. What's crazy is, like, there's a, a report out there that Otani um, refused to take a scan a couple of weeks ago. So it says that he had issues with his, you know, the middle finger on his throwing hand. Then he had the... Um, the, the fatigue, the arm, whatever. And general manager Perry Maniason said that Otani was offered to have imaging done to diagnose his finger, but he declined it. Wow. And if it, it's thought that if he did undergo that MRI, they would have seen that he had a UCL tear. When was this? This was just reported the, like yesterday. Yeah, reported. When was this? When did this actually happen? Like, why... I guess it happened a couple of weeks ago when he had the, the finger problem. Wait, why would he not just take it? I don't understand. You're already Be laying down there anyway. Your arm's stuck in. You're already in this uncomfortable Because that, maybe he didn't that. want them to, to, maybe he didn't want to find out if he had a torn UCL. UCL. The quote here. Everybody's going to find out because regardless, no matter how much money and how much I'm still, I want you. Uh, we are taking every test anyways in free agency to sign that $800 million deal yeah. you're getting. Here's I mean, everybody's the, still here, 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 here's the quote. Okay. 
I've received a lot of inquiries about the imaging thing, and yes, the only time we got imaging was after the injury. With that being said, the imaging was offered earlier in the year, and him and his representation turned it down, and I understand why. It was a cramp in his finger, and they didn't believe it warranted imaging, so that's where it is. End quote. That's from the Angels general manager. Now, could it have have been a calculated move by Otani and his representation because— Maybe they didn't want the UCL tear to go to go detected because it ruins his value this offseason. One hundred percent. Who's going to pay? Who's going to pay him five hundred million dollars now that he Everybody. has a UCL tear? Right. That's the thing. Everybody is. Uh, but and if he's not going to be, doesn't matter. He, doesn't matter. But that's the whole thing. That's when it went through his head as well. That's why this came out the way it came out because he's going, oh, there's my value. His agent's definitely freaking out because that's money out of their pocket. Um, and and we don't know if he's going to have Tommy John just yet. Oh, like obviously, there's wit- We can't mess around. You can't. Right? Well, look at what Brock Purdy for the 49ers. Didn't have Tommy John. He had the UCL tear, and he rehabbed. Throwing a football is different than throwing a baseball. And Tanaka also tried to rehab, and how long that set him back. And there was somebody else, too, that tried to rehab it. You can't rehab this. You don't have enough mm-hmm. years, right? You have to go get this done. Uh, again, we're drafting guys knowing they're going to have Eric Fetty, UNLV. We talked about this. We're drafting guys. Currently, the Blue Jays have drafted guys plenty of times knowing UCL uh, tears are there, and we're going to have it. doesn't matter. But I'm also buying minor league years as well, right? Out of the gate, very easy to overcome. These are injuries that we don't fear anymore. It just takes a year. Shohei Otani, it's, the timing was, was horrible because it's going into his free agent Season, so he's missing this year for sure. Throwing the baseball, hitting, he hitting. can come back like, like Bryce Harper came back and he's hitting now. Bryce is doing the same thing, and so that's what I'm saying. He would have had surgery already in the Tommy John, it would have already been done. We're not messing around, but he's not going to miss the rest of the season as a hitter. He's going to try to win MVP, and so no matter what anybody says, he's already won MVP, it's done. Right, but we don't know officially, right? And yeah, so but there's, there's no, there's a lot no, of things you can't even bet on it anymore. It's, that's how done it is, and so, so. He's playing for that very specific reason, uh, outside of the fact that he loves to play. But the also, let's go 12 months. I've seen guys come back earlier. You can't. You don't want to. Um, nine months too early. Ten months pushing it. Why do it? It's my career. Uh, 11 months, cool. 12 months, yeah. So where is he at on this, right? So we're going to have, let's say we had surgery September 1st. Put me back. And where's John Means? I said John Means had April of 22. Orioles, John Means. Yep. Orioles, John Means. Yes, sir. April of 22. And Johnny is... He's pitching in AAA now. Yeah, so we threw four and a third the other day, right? So, okay, so that's where we're at progression-wise. April, so he went April 23, so what? May, June, July, August. He went 16. So he must have had a setback somewhere big time. Mm-hmm. Definitely had a setback. Um <clears throat> So we got September 1st. He's missing next year regardless. As a pitcher. As a pitcher. Yeah. So so rushing the surgery is irrelevant. So he can rehab it and make everything strengthen um, <clears throat> around it. And then when he does have the surgery, he's going to be stronger and prep for it. So it's not a rush time just because of the time of it. So he's good there. So then, yeah, go ahead and hit. Does it affect you hitting? doesn't matter. It's already torn. Who cares? And now you just go out and play some baseball, and we move forward as we move forward. So it's an irrelevant thing as far as the timing for that when it comes to trying to come back next year. And then we also learn that we can hit off of this. We watch Bryce. He's testing himself right now. We learn a lot. So, um, But that was the first thought. It's like, what does this do for my contract? I'm a free agent. Couldn't come mm-hmm. at the worst time. We were going to sign Shohei Otani regardless, 
right? Regardless. Yeah, of any team in baseball. He's yeah. the best hitter. He's the best pitcher. He's everything. And then you get two of these dudes. So I don't know. Shohei's gonna sign. Uh, I still think he gets seven, eight hundred million. Uh, even if he's it. not pitching, even it. though this is his second Tommy John surgery now, doesn't change it. We have had people have have two. You know, yep. Jason, Jason Frazier I played with had two. Josh Johnson ended up having three that I played with. JJ, uh, Miami, and Toronto. I don't, you know, I don't wish it on anybody. Sure, but no, I think he's fine. Do you think this helps the Angels re-sign him or? Oh no, no, they're not getting him back. Okay, no matter what. I mean, look at. I mean. Again, all they want to do, I say they, Japanese, and most of us actually, all we want to do is win. We got to the point where we're at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Um, we solidify ourselves. We can always improve. That's an internal battle that we can always improve. Um, and then what's next, right? So Shohei Otani is not going to sign back with the Angels because what have they done? What have they showed? What have they showed anybody about what he, what they're capable of doing, what they're willing Nothing. to do? Nothing. And Mike Trout, that one guy... Pretty good player, center fielder. Never healthy. The wind blows and he gets hurt nowadays. Yeah. How? What he came back from the I.O. went right back on it. <laughs> Shohei Otani, I'm not comparing people, is refusing to go on the DL. And Mike, we can't. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, I don't know. I mean, Mike, just say, you know what? I'm going to waive all my no trade and let's go trade me. Um, Mike is not showing me too much heart. Now, again, it's not fair for me to say something like that when we're talking about the injury of a player. Yeah. It's not fair for me to say that, but I don't ever see Mike in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not a fan of that. I'm a fan of him. I'm not a fan of that. So going from one UCL now to another, Felix Bautista, the incredible all star closer for the Baltimore Orioles, is out with a UCL injury. And we don't know the severity of the injury. He's on the IL right now. There's no updates. As to what type of UCL injury it is. They are calling it some degree of a UCL injury. What? Maybe. Now, I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt here. Maybe they, you know, they they can't do imaging right now because it's it's swollen or they want to wait and see what happens. But here's what we know. He's on the IL. It's a UCL injury. Maybe it's a tear that could lead to Tommy John. Maybe it's just uh, soreness or strain or whatever. But he's out, and they lose now, arguably, the best closer in Major League Baseball. A 1.48 ERA with 33 saves in 39 opportunities, 8-2 and two on the season at the time of the injury. Say it again. You said something when you first started talking about Felix. Um, oh, Different story, right? So, so Shohei's out. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, uh, he's not playing next year regardless as far as time he's concerned. As a pitcher, you're saying. As a pitcher. Yeah. So Shohei's out. Um, if it's Assuming not, he has Tommy John. <clears throat> yes, sir. Yes, Assuming sir. he has Tommy John, he's out for pitching with, next year. With, with Mr. Bautista, that's completely different because this team is in first place. This team's doing well, the Baltimore Orioles. Um, this team... Needs this man now. The trade deadline's over. Who do I have? I don't have maybe Tyler Wells. I don't know if if, if T Dub because he can close, but he's been a starter. I know that. Well, they got Yenier Cano, who's being their closer now. Right, but when it comes to postseason baseball, you need all the relievers you can mm-hmm. because you're not going to use them. Like the way they're going to use them is they're the bullpen's the third and the fourth thing. They they're going to blow these guys out. So they need. Well, I thought the Orioles were dangerous in the postseason because. They could do what the Yankees used to do and what the, I guess, the Royals kind of let the, I mean, the Yankees had the original blueprint 
back in the 90s when, yeah, you know, yeah. when, when you would have, you know, m multiple setup guys for Mariano. Remember Tan yeah, Gormo? Yeah. Remember Tan Gormo? Tanyan Sturtz to Tom Gordon to to, to Mariano oh, Rivera. I didn't know you guys named that Tanyan. Oh, Tan Gormo was great. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, then there was Quan Gormo. Well, that's because Qu Quan Gormo. You went from uh, Paul Quantrill to to Tory, Tom Gordon to every every to manager Mariano. for the Yankees does not even run a bullpen, right? They don't. They don't. They just bury them, kind of like you know, like Cashy in in Tampa. They just bury them. And then once those guys get hurt, they just replace them. And if you're the hot hand, you're getting used every day. That's yeah. why we have nicknames so, like that. So the Yankees, yeah, the Yankees did that. They had the Tan Gormo, they had the Quan Gormo, and then it, basically it was shortening the game so that your starters go six innings, and then you have seven, eight, oh. nine elite bullpen Come guys. Come here, Scott. Six innings is so. But this is boring. in the post in the postseason though. You have an elite reliever, seven, eight, nine. The game's over. If you have a lead after six innings, the game is over. The, yeah, because you the, got Mariano Rivera. Yes, the the Royals did that when they were going to the World Series. When they won their World Series, they had the elite back end of the bullpen led by Greg Holland, right? And this is what the Orioles Who? had, Greg Holland. And this is what which the, team was that? The Royals. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Who? Who? Yeah. Well, that's why. I mean, that's what kind of put it on the map, right? We've and, always had that, yes. as you just described. But that kind of put it on the map because those two dudes back-to-back -back were absolutely Herrera, they had Wade Davis, oh, Herrera, Holland. so beautiful. It, it was ridiculous back into the bullpen. That's yeah. why they went to back-to-back -back World Series and the, when they beat the Mets in the World Series. Yep. But yep, the yep. Orioles had that this year because the Orioles had Cano and Bautista in yeah. the back end of their bullpen. Dude, they had Bautista and Lopez last year. Yeah, but uh, well, this year with Can Cano and, and Bautista, they could shorten games. Yeah. Now that you don't have Bautista, you lose that benefit of having multiple innings at the back end of your bullpen, and I think it makes the Orioles less dangerous come postseason time. So I look at their odds to win the World Series, and, and I was looking, hey, plus eight fifty on the Orioles right now in the mm. DraftKings Sportsbook to well, win the to win the World Series. Mm. Well, without. Bautista, yeah, tough. It, I don't think that I don't think that it's good value now. No, we're gonna do Keegan uh, Aiken coming back off the deal. You're gonna give it to him. That's not gonna happen. Uh, Dia Hall, guys like him coming off, uh, fantastic studs, gross stuff. Might actually be an ideal guy because he uses his pitches uh, inefficiently, meaning he's not your ideal starter on how to set guys up, and I'm willing to take first pitch contact every now mm -hmm. and again. I, I need some first pitch outs. Uh, he's not there yet, so he'll go. 100 pitches in four innings sometimes. Um, but he is nasty, and he's going to strike out 13 per nine, 14 per nine. He was doing some ungodly stuff in the minor leagues, which tells you that his stuff is there. So a guy like D.L. Hall. And he's a lefty, which you always like dude, to have. dirty. Well, you let him just come out, out of nowhere, out of the pen, and just D.L. do your thing? Dude, that might be an ideal thing. The only thing we got to overcome there is the nerves. Having never done it, probably, and... 100% at that level, if we can overcome the nerd, that might be ideal replacement right there. Throw him in there now. Do you got games to lose? Throw this kid in there now. Let him. He's going to fail. You have to blow mm -hmm. a game or two to know what it feels like, to know how to deal with the media yourself, how you're looking in the mirror when you have your teammate next to you and you just let him down and you gave up his run on one of them, whatever the case may be. Know what that feels like. Um, let him go bury himself right now because that might be the dude that saves you. So what's your take on the Orioles and their chances to win right now? Two and a half games up on first place in the East without Bautista in the back end of their bullpen. How confident are you in their chances come postseason time? No, never. I never have been. Okay. I love this team. 
I love this thing, but I'm very realistic about youth. And I've had this conversation. You and I've had it. Uh, I talk about this all the time. Someone has to be experienced somewhere, and they don't have it. They don't have it on the coaching staff. They definitely don't have it with their manager. Uh, they definitely do not have it with their GM, even though he's not really a part of this. And I know people are saying he was a part of the winning team when it came to um, Houston. No, they're very young everywhere. So when push comes to shove, who has been there before? Who has done it? Who's able to calm their nerves and, and, and have, again, the first inning of a postseason is the ninth inning, in essence, of the regular season game, right? It's the feelings are the same. And so can I control everything when I want to move a guy, when I want to do all these things that are very, very vital, when the game is going too fast, when the fans are going crazy, mm-hmm. right, when all this is happening, when you got to answer questions, when you got media, you got all of it. Who's the cool head? Who's the one that's going to calm this down, uh, seeing the future instead of getting caught up in the moment? Stop hearing the fans who cheer every pitch in the postseason. You know, never heard that before. Now you're hearing it. They don't have it. They're so young. And then you're running on adrenaline. In essence, adrenaline infused, you know, fumes because mm-hmm. they haven't played. Any of them haven't played this long or this many games in a season. It's so difficult for these guys, but it would be so beautiful to see them do it. They just don't have it. I mean, they have the players. This is why experience comes in. Yeah, They have, uh, and that's why Elias has to get good on how who and who he's going to keep and how long they're going to do that. I mean, he's got to get very smart because I don't want to lose any of these dudes. But I just don't think that they have the experience that's going to keep them around. Let's uh, transition. They did. Yeah, let's transition from the American League to the National League because earlier this week, like the other two days ago, for the first time since April 8th, someone other than Ronald Acuna Jr. was the favorite to win the National League Most Valuable Ooh. Player. Mookie Betts went on a tear last week. <laughs> and so I guess... Julio Rodriguez, a different league I know. Yeah, wow. money starts coming in. And yeah, Julio had an incredible month. Money starts coming in. Mookie Betts becomes the favorite to win the National League Most Valuable Player. That lasted one day. Wait, because Ronald, Ronald Acuna last night despite having that interaction with the fans. Ronald Acuna goes four for five, five RBIs, a home run, and two stolen bases. Dude, he's and, so good this year. Bro. And now, uh, looking at the DraftKings Sportsbook, for the National League Most Valuable Player, Ronald Acuna Jr., back to being the favorite at minus 135, Mookie Betts at even money. Your pick, Josh Towers, to win the National League Most Valuable Player just, is who? Again, Acuna's been so good, right? So 130 games, 601 plate appearances, 119 runs, 175 hits. Thank you for that. 31 doubles, triples. We like to stay at second base a lot because I can give signs there. So triples, you kind of got to look not so much into, even though Shohei loves his triples. 29 homers, 79 stakes, stolen bases. You see that number? Mm-hmm. Absurd. 61. 61 bags, 69 walks, only 73 punches. And I say that because, again, we're 130 into this games-wise, and he had 123 his rookie year. In 2019, he decided to put that up a little bit and go 188. He had 126 last year. Put the ball in play. Mm-hmm. It's not a joke. Put the ball in play. You don't have to try to hit 50 when you're not going to hit 50. And I'm not talking about Ronald Acuna. I'm talking about Major League Baseball in general, you players. Put the ball in play. Look what Ronald Acuna did. 2020, COVID year, 46 games, he punched out 60 times. Double that, okay, plus, and he's at 73 punch-outs this year. 
This man has put the ball in play, and look what it's done. He's back to being, and I shouldn't say he's got too far off of that, but the guy that we all knew he could be. Wow, he is so good at baseball. All right, so let me go back over here to the hits and stuff. I'm just looking at one month. Mookie Betts, you said 446. Wow, what a year. Or sorry, what a month. 45 hits. Julio Rodriguez had 46 hits. 7-8 homers, respectfully. OPS plus slugging, he's the only one. Mookie over 1,000 on the, on the season, right? Um... There's some things that are so important to me, like the on-base percentage for your leadoff guy. You know, 406 for him, it's it's so important. 418 for Mr. Acuna, it's so important. What well, about yeah, you look at you look at a, you look at the Braves, and they are the highest scoring first inning team in Major League Baseball. They are averaging almost one run per first inning. Have you ever... 0.96 runs per first inning this year, and it's because Acuna's always on base, and they're always scoring when he's on base. Well, but you have Acuna, you have Austin Riley, you have Matt Olson, you have Azuna. Like, insert whoever you want here in the two-hole. You got Acuna, you got Olson, you got Riley. Like, this team is so loaded offensively, and they're so comfortable and happy playing together that they should uh, they should score all the time. Um... It's really hard, okay, because there's no clear runaway. We know who it is in the American League. It's no clear runaway. I think Matt Olson is absolutely ridiculous. The protection he adds, the fact that 61 stolen bases, um, who's next? Corbin Carroll with 40. I love that we're back to stealing bases. Uh, thank you to these young men, these Corbin Carrolls of the world, these dudes that are hustling again. Thank you, because it just makes the game so much better. I love the fact, and it'll get overlooked, but we just discussed it. I love the fact that Ronald Acuna has decided to put the ball in play, and look what it does. It elevates every number. They are so big and strong, these boys. They're so big and strong, they don't have to try to go deep. They're Mm going to go deep. And what else is a home run? It's a byproduct of your preparation, meaning when I make my mistake, you don't miss, and they don't. And so you don't need much more than that. You're not going to take – when I paint down the way, you're not going deep. You're not. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen, right? It's too good of a pitch. But when I miss two over and two up, I don't get it back. And that's how it should be, right? That's how good they are. So I love watching these guys do this. Um, if it comes down to being this close to each other with these numbers, who helps your team the most, right? Did did Acuna help put this team on the map? Did Mookie? Who else do we got going? I, you know, Bryce, if he was healthy, he would have walked away with it, I think. I, I think that Acuna wins because... Freddie Freeman's having an incredible year also. And, and so good. And it's like you have two players now, Betts and Freeman, kind of taking votes away from each other. I know, yeah, Matt Olson's had an incredible Who year. He has 35 bombs. This isn't throwing you off. Is that, is that, that, well, when I say that, Mookie Betts is 35 mm-hmm. homers. Is that to you? Do you go, yeah, that sounds right. It's normal. He's good. Yeah, the guy was in the home run derby this year. Yeah, you see how bad that was? <laughs> yeah, I know. It was so bad. You know who dropped <laughs> bombs during BP? Like, you would have thought he was McGuire. Was Ichiro. Wow. Dude, upper tanks all. Well, because when he, he wanted, wanted to. to do. Yeah. Whatever he wanted he to, wanted to mm-hmm. do. Uh, Mookie was the complete opposite. Mookie looked like he looked like uh, he looked like he couldn't hit it twice to go over the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's 35. What an athlete this kid is. Uh, home runs are amazing. I'm just, just kind of going over, y'all, like different stats. 
kind of what we're talking about with everything, you know, the home runs with, you know, but Matt the, Olson. The, the stats are close between Betts and Acuna. The stats I mean, are at, close, but. Look at Ole. He's got 112. He's the only one. I know more people will be over there. He's the only one currently over 100 RBI, mm-hmm. Matt Olson, in the NL. Because um, Acuna is always on base. Because everybody in front of him is always on base. Even Austin Riley. How, I mean, how protected is that lineup? Um, I know they don't really like the stat anymore, but I love it. Averages. Luis Arraz down to 350. Struggling. Um, Freddie Freeman, 340. One of the best, most consistent players we've had in our game in forever. Thank you, Freddie Freeman, for being you. Ronald Acuna, 335. What did we say Mooks was? 312. There's a big difference there, too, right? Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that, that, that factors a lot into it. That, that we're talking about a 335 and a 312 average. You're talking about two guys who lead off all the time. Um, that's going to factor in when these numbers are close. I think currently it's, it's Ronald Acuna. Uh, the other thing is, is he's, he's a much better defensive player than I think Mookie is. But Mookie also is coming in and playing second base or shorts up every now and again, more so second base. That's a big transition. Mid-game is a big transition to, uh, to take your outfitter's glove off, put your second baseman glove on. You're tracking fly balls, your drop steps, and all of a sudden I'm taking ground balls and coming in, and you know, I saw him take one off the chest that would have inning-ending double play that I think would have won again <laughs> in Boston. Uh, and it just took a hop and he wasn't fully prepared for. But when you're, when you're jumping back and forth, it's not easy to do. So, you know, I guess one can argue that Mookie is more valuable when it comes to that, I guess. I don't mm. know the Dodgers need that so much. Who else is in the race, according to you? Well, it's just a two-man race. It's just a two-man race. In yeah, Santa. I mean Freddie Freeman's ten to one, but it's just a, it's a two-man race. It's yeah. it's bet it's Acuna and Betts. And um, just because he's staring at my face, I almost want to like as as a Dodger employee, I almost want to punch Cody Bellinger when I see you. Um, you know just how complacent <laughs> we get, right? And how whatever, and then all of a sudden he's doing this. He's he incredible. Knew yeah, he can do it. Bryce Harper, you're so good at baseball. Um, it's Acuna right now for me. Yeah, I agree with you there. Let's talk uh, betting here, baseball as a whole. Um, I know you told me as we record this here Tuesday uh, morning, afternoon, that you placed a bet on the under on the Grand Salami tonight. Yes, I did. So now, why did you bet the under? Is it because was it because of the pitchers that are pitching today, or is it something about Tuesdays? What is it that made you think that there's not going to be a lot of scoring tonight in Major League Baseball? Yeah, kind of everything, right? Kind of a combination of everything. It's a Tuesday. I always call it Dog Tuesdays. Um, I just felt like Tuesday was a neutral day where a lot of underdogs always felt one. And so... Um, yeah. that, does, does that have to do with the way that uh, teams construct their rotations? So, like, no, you're, you're starting... You no, no, you just fall into place right there. We have nothing... Yeah, you, that that you just I mean, so after the op- opening week, after your first five, mm-hmm. you don't you're not matching up versus anybody. It's it's just whatever happens happens, um, which is why that rotation is not really that important. I mean, coming into spring training, you just keep your guys on rotation and how they work in spring training and progress because it's not setting it up. That it doesn't really do much. Um, it's Tuesdays, right? It's just a neutral day. Nobody went out on a Monday night. Mm-hmm. Not much going on. Um, tonight, you're kind of chill, so you're more rested up. You're more prepared. You put a more, more appreciation into your body recovery. And uh, and it's just about the game. It's just about the little things. It's not – there's no excitement of who's coming to watch you play on your pass list. There's no excitement of, of really any of that. You really have just a good night's sleep and probably a good night's sleep coming up. 
um, creeping into the weekend. And yeah, it's just nice, right? So then you're going to make the plays. You're going to be a little bit more accountable mentally. Um, because you're there mentally, you're more willing to put yourself in a position to succeed, not necessarily trying to be greedy or anything like that. I just think that the baseball game is played a little bit more pure hmm. and, and, and team-friendly. And then I go through, Scotty, and I look at, I look at the lineup. Okay, and then you also look at the totals. You know, you can even factor those in. So on, I think it's one thirty-five and a half today. It's it's nine runs a game with all the games that are playing. There's a lot of them. So uh, each game's got to stay somewhere under nine. And then I got to match up like Aaron Savali and, and Alcantara for Miami. Um, Sandy's been pitching so much better to the second half than how it started. The guy's been locked back in, so, you know, I'm looking at him as somebody who's accountable. Uh, Savali's had a great season, pitching very well for Tampa, so I can see that being on the lower side. The Yankees can't hit. The Tigers haven't been very good offensively either. So then I got King versus Scooble. Um, of course, Scooble hadn't given up a run at home, especially during the day. Uh, all season in his limited starts, but when I bet it the other day, he sure did. But he's been great at home. Um... Lorenzen's been pretty good, and, and Anderson's been pretty good. So the Angels' offense isn't as much as it should be, but that game can either be high-scoring mm-hmm. or 2-1. We well, know how both those teams play. Well, I want to go over the days of the week and what the results are as of last week. Uh, this is the most updated information that we have. Uh, obviously, we'll wait until this week's done, then we'll get this week's numbers put in. But as of last week, here's the stats on the days of the week in Major League Baseball. Favorites dominate on Wednesdays. Mondays, also favorites dominate. I can see that. The underdogs do best on Fridays. This is on the money line. The underdogs do best on Fridays on the money line. Thursdays on the money line. And then the weekend is 43.6% for both. And same thing, Tuesdays is very similar, 43.3. So the top days for underdogs, 46.1% on Fridays, 44.4% on Thursdays. Why do underdogs do well on Fridays? That's a very good question. Um, It really is kind of neutral. Like you're at your whatever place you're at. You go to Yankee Stadium on a Friday night. And I'm with the Baltimore Orioles, the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't care. It's just exciting, right? It's probably the busiest crowd. There's something about a Friday night where you might go out. It might have a drink afterwards or try to catch a nice dinner. Um, It's where the fan base is the best, most riled up, more. um, You're kind of. Yeah, you're kind of feeding off the energy of that. It, it it really does make Fridays a little bit more neutral than anything else. Saturdays, uh, you're thinking about more of like, all right, we're going to – we bounce tomorrow. So I'm packing up, and you start thinking about that. But Fridays just it, – it really does become neutral. It really just becomes um, – it's just again, it's Friday. I guess. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's it's hard. But does it There's does it help? More does it help that, that sometimes you're well, a lot of the time you're either coming off an off day on Thursday or a day game on Thursday, like a, day. like a getaway day on Thursday? Yeah, you feel like travel day. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't, I never looked at it like that. I never looked at it from that perspective when I played. Um, you're just excited that the weekend's here, right? So you don't care that you're on the road. And you probably had been there already. Um, 
you might have, you know, the wife or you know the wife coming to town too, right? There could be something like that because well, does that negatively affect the home team? Like because it's a Friday, maybe more people you have to worry about coming to see you. Yeah, and we're so- excited as a away team. I'm excited regardless. Mm-hmm. One of my responsibilities on the road, right? So I'm excited. Just play ball. Yeah, that's it. And as a home team, you still have stuff you have to be accountable for. You might, you still might have, you know, appearances you got to do, and or you know whatever the case may be. It just, it's it's a more relaxed, fun, let's go environment. Um, you're gonna see. A a little bit more of your fans too on a Friday or on the weekend, opposed to midweek or anything else. Um, yeah, I can see Fridays, man. It really does kind of play neutral. What was the other day you said Thursdays as yep. well? Um, that could just be travel day if it's a travel day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know we're dressed up in suits and ready to rock and roll, so I can see that being travel day. Yeah, and what's interesting is on the run line. If you wanted to bet an underdog on the run line, Sunday is your best yes, day for sure. Fifty-six percent. Uh, the profit uh, on the run line for an underdog this year on Sundays. For sure. Okay, listen, I'm in my suit. I got my bags. I'm ready to go. We got a day game. I might get to this city early again. We get fed well uh, in the clubhouses, but there is always something different for us. It's the little things, but to be able to catch, I say this all the time. I know you've probably heard it a thousand times from me in three weeks. Um, when we can actually catch a real dinner at a nice steakhouse in a city uh, at a respectful time, like when I can actually make dinner, it is just different. And so we want to do that. So then. So you're talking about like oh, get out of the ballpark at yeah. four o'clock on the plane. You, you arrive in the new city at seven and you're at the restaurant by eight, nine o'clock and having a great dinner. Because, that, like, you think yeah. I'm touching my bags at that point? Yeah. Maybe throw in my room. Maybe I don't. Um, yeah, dude. No, like it's for us to catch dinner. And again, at a respectful time and actually make it is so, so valuable for us. We don't get it very often um, to where I can just chill and I'm still going to get in bed at a decent time as well. It's just something about those moods, right, that put you in, that give you this. And so on a Sunday, uh, I'm not probably not going out as much depending on my situation or where I'm at. I put my suit on, I got my bags, I'm packed up. We're going to go to the new city. I know what time we're estimated to land. Um I already called ahead and got dinner reservations going. It's you're just in a good mood. Well, I used to have the getaway day theory, and what is it? And, and this is what I would bet all the time. Now this year it's a little skewed. Favorites okay. are actually absolutely dominating this year, so it's not you know teams are getting swept a lot. But I would bet if the team has won the first two games of a series, okay, and then any team, any team okay. that that's won the first two games of the series, okay, and then the third day is a getaway day. So we're talking about a Wednesday afternoon or a Thursday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon where that team that has won the first two games of the series has to travel to another city. So the the theory is I'm the Yankees. I won on uh, Tuesday. Tuesday night I won. Wednesday night I won. Wednesday I'm a home favorite. It's a 1 o'clock game, but I got to travel to uh, Kansas City. After the game's over, you bet against those teams. So you fade the team going for the sweep. You're betting on the team that's trying to avoid the sweep, but it has to be a getaway situation. And the theory is, is that team is kind of, you know, most of the time anyway, on day games after night games, you have a backup catcher in, right? 
Yeah, all the time. Uh, day game after night yeah. game. Maybe a guy gets a half day off and he's DHing. So the lineup's a little weaker yeah, for sure. on that day game after a night game, especially Always. if you've already won the first two games of that series. Which I hate, by the way. I shouldn't say hate. Everybody has to play. And the only way we're all going to be successful is if we can somehow get in the lineups consistently. Don't have anybody in the world sit for two weeks or ten days. It's not fair to anybody. And then when you call that kid's number, he's not going to be there for it. It's not fair. So I do want everybody playing on a regular basis. But, you know, as a starting pitcher, you get you get to pitch once every five days, in essence, once a week. Hopefully there's no off day. And you have the guy you, you gel with, your boy, you love him, all his people, but there's some people that just eye to eye, it's it, you work better, and all of a sudden you don't get them because of the situation, so you got a backup catcher or maybe a third-string guy. Um, that means the world to me, but to the team, yeah, we want to win, but we also, you know, we're in a good position right now, so we need to get somebody else in. And, it like, I, don't, I can't even tell you how many times I'd go to the field and the whole lineup would be different, and my left fielder would be different, my first baseman would be different, my catcher would be different. Uh, and I felt like, I did feel like one year in Toronto, I was getting punished for this. I don't know what it was, but I felt like I was getting punished for it. Um, because you're not going to take it away from Halliday, right? You're not going to take it away from guys like that. Um, but no, it happens. It's a big, it's a big, I'm not, you're not far off on this probably. Mm -hmm. Well, this year there have been, and I don't know about getaway days specifically, but this year there have been 486 three game series. This is again, as of last week, right? There's been 129 sweeps. It's hard to sweep a team. 486 three-game series, 129 sweeps. That's 26.54%. It's hard to sweep a team. Well, that that goes back to my buddy's philosophy where I told you he's like 120. Four-game sweeps. Four-game sweeps. So there's been 106 four-game series, nine sweeps. Mm Mm-hmm. It's hard to sweep four games. It's hard. We're we're all professional athletes playing at the highest level. Mm -hmm. We're not... We're not built to lose. Some teams are better. Uh, any starting pitcher on any given day can. And by the way, the home team has swept all uh, those home? those those sweeps. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, God, there's so many different styles to try to formulate. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of, people like to Martingale and double up on their losses yeah. and just banking against the sweeps. But yeah, but for me, it's like I look for spots. I look for spots, and and the getaway day thing to me makes sense. And you, as a former player, mm-hmm. can understand that, and, and and you you explain it well. That yeah, you, you know. Uh, my theory was that you win the first two games, the first two night games, then you have a day game the next day. It's a getaway spot. You you have to travel. Your your bags are packed with you, right? You you pack your bags and you bring them to the to the to the ballpark, right? So your bags are packed. You have them at the ballpark, and you're just waiting for the game to get over so you can get onto the tarmac and get on your flight and get to the next city. Yeah, no, I want to go um, and have your dinner. And have, I, it's it's crazy because it is like it's laughable, but and they feed us well. We fit well on the plane too. Yeah. Um, it, there's just something about man having a a meal like you feel normal for a second, and we're not complaining, but you do. Um, now you you saying that is making me think of the scene from um, what was it uh, the Jimmy Fallon uh, Fever Pitch when the Red Sox lose and they're out to dinner and they see like Millar and like uh, Minkavich and a couple of guys like eating dinner and like laughing. And he's like, look at these guys. They're smiling, <laughs> having a good time. We just lost. <laughs> That's right. I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is, man. Um, like, no, these players are and we they, do take people. It they have lives. Yeah, <laughs> we take it personal big time, man. But, like, uh, yeah, you see a smile. It's like, you guys just lost. Listen, it hurts, too. But, you know, we have another one tomorrow. And yeah. So you, you, know, you, you, you process what you got to process and why you didn't do well as a team or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. The, the Tuesday thing, I mentioned Dog Tuesdays. 
uh, I remember taking a class a couple of years back, a few years back, and I remember the, um, I would, because I was bored in this class, it was always on a Tuesday that I always follow, <laughs> and I would make bets or make bets on my phone or make bets before I went in. Uh, and you would get decent lines, you know, on, on the on the favorite looking good, and it just wouldn't show up. And I started to notice. That's why I started calling it Dog Tuesday because I was always like, man, the dogs seem to always win on Tuesdays, and it does equal out the playing field a little bit for for so many like getting neutral reasons. And so I love Dog Tuesday. So that's why I really started to think about it. Last year I didn't see it as much. Well, as this year, Tuesday. what it is, it, it is Tuesdays are the second most profitable yeah. day that's what you said. on the money line. So it's not about the winning percentage, but on the money line, if you bet every underdog on a Monday this year, you are up uh, $1,940. If you bet every underdog on Tuesdays, you're up $710. You are down $1,700 on Wednesdays. You are down uh, $1,066 on Thursdays. You're up $93 on Fridays. You're down $1,500 on Saturdays. Well, the lines are going to change, right? You're up $82 on Sundays. Friday night, Jacob DeGrom's pitching is number. How about Jacob, too, right? So things like that. So, you know, Jacob DeGrom was always, what, minus 300, minus yeah, 400. And the Mets had a losing record, and then it starts. And they had a losing record. And so yeah. we look at Jacob DeGrom. Oh, I was the biggest fade DeGrom guy ever. What, dude, I was right with you. Yeah. Right? Because the, you're, think about that. He's always minus, just average, minus 300. Right, and they are under five, or just just put it right at five hundred in all his starts, and now, it, I'm taking it, it yeah. plus two seventy. It was the, it's the, insane. The stats, the stat was now his last season was a really good season in New York, right? Yeah. And, and they won some games. The team obviously got better, but from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty, maybe twenty twenty one, he was the best pitcher on the planet. Oh my god! And the Mets had a losing record in his starts. Yeah. Because of bullpen, because of team game, yeah. because they don't score. It's a Roy Holiday. But then Edwin Diaz came in and that, and, and and emerged, and then well, it's the it, offense, everything, changed. everything changed. Everybody has that day off. Again, I told you, when, when Roy Halladay pitched, we knew we won. And you go into that mentality as position players as well, and one run's usually enough. And so, like, something changes internally to where you kind of just shut it down. Um, and... It's why they have like such low run support. And Jacob had the same thing, and Scherzer had the same thing for a while. I think uh, CK Clayton Kershaw had the same thing. Like we we kind of mentally check out because we know they're on the mound. We know we got this, and so the offense is down. And all of a sudden, you know these guys give up one over eight, and they're down one nothing, or it's mm-hmm. a one one game. And all of a sudden, somebody comes into the pen, and guess what? It's not Pedro Martinez. It's not Roy Halladay. It's not Jacob DeGrom. Do you know how happy you are when you don't have to face Roy Halladay anymore? Yeah. And I don't care who it is. Edwin Diaz, bad example maybe, but I don't care who it is. It's not mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw. It's not Jacob DeGrom. And you have this sigh of, and now you want to bat again. Guys would ask for days off against these starters. And now all of a sudden you want to hit because it's not those guys. And so there's your difference, right? And so... The, the the very few times where you you made money fading the legit guys of the game, but mm-hmm. it's so hard for us to go bet against Jacob DeGrom because he doesn't give up runs. So then you always had to try to bet 
Dude, that one year you're talking about, you always had a bit like the first five. That one year yeah. you were talking about? First five unders. DeGrom, first five unders were the, was the best He bet. would be the only reason they scored. Yeah, he would hit a home runner. He would hit yes. a double and drive in a run. Jacob would be the <laughs> only reason they scored because of Jacob. Yeah. That's, how, that's how crazy it was with that. Let's talk about a series that begins here this weekend because it's honestly, in my opinion, a preview of the National League Championship Series. It's the Braves at the Dodgers. These are the two top teams now in Major League Baseball. And it starts on Thursday. You have Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. Now, here's the scheduled pitching matchups that we know right now. And again, things can change. The, the teams can decide to, you know, switch up their rotations. But Spencer Strider against Julio Urias in the opener. Max Freed scheduled to go the second game for the Braves. No one announced for the Dodgers just yet. For game three, Bryce Elder against Bobby Miller. And game four, Charlie Morton and Clayton Kershaw. Oh. Who wins this series? Ooh. Now, well, four games in L.A., Ooh. you would imagine that the Dodgers would be favored in probably two of them. They're, pro- they're favored in the Kershaw game against Charlie Morton. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's on Sunday. Oh, okay, so they're not favored on Thursday. Freed will be favored over Urias. Urias just hasn't had the or Strider season. over Urias. If yeah, yeah, either one, if they're going to be the Braves will be favored Thursday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then and then then you'll have uh, Freed, I guess, if if Strider I, goes on Thursday, Freed on Friday. Freed is from down the street in LA. Now a lot of people from Southern California, but Max and them, there's a whole bunch of those guys. They're all on the same high school baseball team down there. Uh, Santa Monica High School. Yep. Yeah. Santa Monica was outside of Thousand Oaks. I thought it's called um, Oaks uh, Oak Christian. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I think. Uh, anyways, down the street, Terry Pendleton. Montclair College Prep one School? Of those few, one of those schools in that yeah. area. There's like three of them on the same team. They're all really good. I think... Uh, it's like Giolito and, and Jack Flaherty. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah All in the same high school. How about that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pretty good high school team. That's nasty. Yeah. <laughs> they lose California. How they lose. Uh, Terry Pendleton always told me it was the hardest thing he ever did was go back and play at home because you're always entertaining when you don't want to. And I understood what he meant. You know, you go back home, people ask you for tickets, people are calling you. You almost got to, like, kind of check out and hide. It was always difficult. You're you're out there and, and you're taking batting practice and your name's getting called all over the place, you know, and there's a thousand people coming to see it. And it's, it's so nice. But at the same time, it is time-consuming. Um so just as a side note, man, I mean, we're really betting our own money here. and We're trying to win, and not everybody, we don't know the answers to this, no matter what we think. But just keep in mind, like, sometimes if you have the time, if you if you, if you you want to take it a step further, that's what you do. You do this for a living. Look at every time Max Friedis came and pitched in L.A. or Anaheim and see how he's done, right? See how Max has handled hosting uh, guys like that. See, see how they do it, man. It's something worth looking into at times. Oh, well, I can look it up right now. So Max Fried in his career... Ballpark-wise. So here we go. Max Freed pitching at Dodger Stadium. Uh, three games he has pitched at Dodger Stadium in his career. He is 1-1, one one, 14 innings, 6 runs on 9 hits, 18 strikeouts. So not bad. And at so not bad. Anaheim, has he ever pitched in, in Anaheim? He has never pitched yeah, in Anaheim. Okay. So yeah. he's respectful. All right, so we're good. So nothing that's going to scare us off. Nothing that's going to scare you off. Yeah. I mean, look, six runs in 14 innings, not bad. One-on-one record, though. Yeah, okay. The 18 strikeouts in 14 innings that's is pretty good. Beautiful. Yeah. A point seven eight six whip. Uh, yeah. It's pretty good. One. <laughs> yeah. That's one I know. So then he just hung one. He just hung a pitch, and it was happened to be like a three-run homer or something. It's really awesome. uh, Let's see. In those games in L.A., three home runs. 
So the six run three six runs came on three three pitches. So maybe yeah, maybe, adrenaline yeah. on maybe one maybe guessing maybe his first start adrenaline's kind of geeked up a little bit. The ball's elevated and uh, took him a second to get it back down. Um, speaking of that, kind of going no, actually let's finish. Okay, so I think that the Atlanta has the favor on Thursday, regardless of mm-hmm. the pitching, they're the favorite. Friday, who we uh, optimistically thinking? Max Freed, maybe on Friday. See, it's Strider's Freed should be Thursday, yeah, Friday. Okay, so Who's we that like LA? to. We got Urias and. I don't know who LA is going to yeah. go with. Uh, they haven't announced yet, but it, it's you got Miller, yeah, not yet, a dog, Elder Miller on okay. Saturday, and then Kershaw Morton on Friday. Okay, so Friday, uh, Kershaw on the mound is definitely going to be the favorite. That's Sunday, so, yeah. Kershaw sorry, will be favorite Sunday. over Morton, yeah, for sure. I think Atlanta's favorite in three of the four. Okay, yeah, it's going to be close. Yeah, yeah, one twenties. Right now, if you look at the odds to win the National League, you have the Braves. Are the favorite at plus one fifty five. Dodgers are the second favorite at plus one ninety. Who are you taking to win the NL pennant? Mm-hmm. Well, you could pick somebody else. Oh. I mean, the Phillies are plus six fifty. Brewers are plus nine hundred. I mean, out of those two, I, I think Atlanta is by far the best team in the National League. I just think top to bottom, they're the best team in the National League. Um, but there's teams like Philadelphia who let me go back to the wild card. Who in any series like they're they're so dangerous, man. Well, they showed it last year, of course. Yeah, they're loaded, um, but they have everything it takes. They have the guys in the bullpen. They have the starting rotation. They have the offense. They have everything. I mean, for a three or four game set, a seven game set, this team is easily the best team in baseball. The Cubbies are not. Arizona's not. San Francisco's not. Cincinnati's not. Miami. You give me Cabrera and Alcantara back to back, and and I'm I'm taking them as they're in that game. Mm-hmm. Those guys can be that good or are that good. Um, everybody else is pretty much out. I don't believe in Milwaukee in the postseason. The way they play baseball, even though they won nine in a row, by the way, run streaks. Um, they're just they're not built to win. He doesn't counsel, doesn't manage to win postseason baseball. Um, I just, the Dodgers, I mean, they're so good, right? They're such a good team. Their starting pitching has made me nervous. Their bullpen has made me the most nervous, mm. right? So if they're not scoring runs, are they going to win the baseball game with how that bullpen's being? And can they outscore the Braves? No, right? So, and yeah, God, for me, I feel like the two most dangerous teams are Atlanta and Philadelphia. I don't want to play Philadelphia. Wow. I, I think that, 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 like, on paper, they probably match up where they're – Better than most teams. Um, and at times, I mean, when they're off, they're not good. They don't really do anything right. But I think that they're that dangerous coming in. So, again, watching them the last month, that last week, what what kind of meaningful baseball are they playing, just like last year, right, as mm-hmm. we said. Um, because they have what it takes with, with the veteran presence, with the youth, where everybody's at. Um, I love, love, love how Bryce Harper has taken on – this responsibility of being a, a great teammate, a productive player with a smile on his face, a guy who hustles, man. I love Like, they're just, they're fun. I mean, I wouldn't mind taking Schwarber off the top of the lineup, yeah. but I guess you're, you know. He's been doing great when they put him there. Yeah, so. he's either going to hit a tank or he's going to yeah. play, right? But or he's going to walk, yeah. Yeah, that's you know, right. He has a lot of walks. What, what, what's amazing is, you know, I don't get a lot of things right, but I will say that last year, right around the All-Star break, uh, on the Dream Preview, RJ asked me to to g- give teams in Major League Baseball grades, grade their lineups, grade their bullpens, grade their you what know. Was your skill, what was your system? 
It was just just great. Just like look at the, look look at the no like one two three okay. like one point two point three points gotcha. whatever, and add them all together, and then decide okay who are we placing a futures bet on now. Like who would you bet on to win the World Series based on your grading? And at the time, this is mid July. You're just throwing, okay. I said the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, he's like why? What, Phil, Phil, they were nowhere near any potential in the races. And I said, <laughs> I said you know something. I said when they're healthy. When they're healthy, I said, you look at look at this lineup. It's the best lineup in the National League. You look at their rotation. You look at the bullpen. Yeah, and I said, the Phillies are the Phillies are a team that I would that I would not want to play in the postseason. And what happened? They're the wild card. And then they run through the National League postseason and get all the way to the World Series before going up against the Astros. So I haven't, I haven't followed them too, too deep, but Jose Alvarado, is he hurt? Well, I haven't heard his name. And if I not pay attention, he's nasty. He's one of their better players. Is he? Is he currently active? Jose yeah, Alvarado. He's active. Okay. Um, but again, you got him, right? You got mm-hmm. Sir Anthony Dominguez, who he's he's been there long enough. He's back and forth. And you got Kimbrel. Yeah, uh, Kimbrel, right? Um, Lorenzen's been really good as a starter. Aaron Nola hasn't, but we know how good they are. Um, Soto is doesn't he throw fuzz, right? Yeah. Taiwan Walker has been good, but he's, you know, early if, if Taiwan's locked in or not. And if he's not, you get him out there. Everybody knows this. Yeah. So you know how you're going to, you're not, you're not dancing around that. Like, you know, right away what you have. Obviously, Zach Willer can be great. Well, it's crazy because I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think the Phillies are a dangerous team, just like yeah. last year, once they yeah. get into the postseason. Because the thing is, is, it, could you Trey Turner is having such a down year? Bad year. Such a down year. He would have been one of my top three picks in all of baseball if we had a draft. Really? That's how good I think Trey Turner is. I mean, I, I, bet, him the, I bet him the win the MVP based on what he did in the World Baseball Classic, and that was a ripped-up ticket. But He's <laughs> so good. He's having such a terrible season. But if he emerges by the time, and, and he is, like he's had a couple of good yep. games now, yep. but if he, like he had two home runs uh, uh, yesterday. But if, if he emerges and is consistent when the Phillies get to the postseason, this is... One of the most, if not the most, dangerous lineups in the National League, yeah, I'm just and it's with, and it's without Reese Hoskins, who who hurt himself in spring training. But Real Muto, completely forgot about Reese. Yeah, Real Muto, Harper, Stott, you know, Schwarber, Castellanos, Turner. Like this lineup is I mean, ridiculous. This is with a guy leading off that strikes out two hundred times a year. Yeah, right. Hmm? Um, Who's batting one eighty seven? By the way, Kyle Schwarber. Leading off. Let's put him in leadoff because he gets on base 330. Um, <laughs> guy just doesn't make any sense for me, man. He's you know what I'd rather have him? He's got 36 home runs this yeah, year. Yeah, put him in the eight hole. Yeah. So uh, right when I think well, I That's where Trey Turner's been batting. Right, right. Uh, I would rather have Trey. Yeah. So pull up Trey's numbers real quick. I would rather have Trey, right? Put Schwarber in the eight hole to where – but I see what they're doing. Because, like, listen, Trey gets on base. He's still second. 255 with a 727 OPS. Kyle Schwarber's not hitting Such a single a to score Schwarber. So, like, that doesn't make much sense. But, 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 but the shortstop's going to hit a double to score. I, I don't know. I like, I would reverse those. Because then all of a sudden I'm, I'm relaxing in the eight hole. Pull his numbers back up one more time for me. Trey Turner or? Yeah, yeah, Turner's. Turner's batting 255. What's his on year. base? His on base percentage this year is 307. Okay, so three thirty for Schwarber and three oh seven. Um, yeah, so he's, if you look at uh, let's look at Trey Turner's splits this year. Okay, as far as um, where he's batting in the lineup and how he's done oh, this I year by where he is in the lineup. A lot. So this season, Trey Turner batting. 
Well, here's first inning, third inning. I love these splits, by the way. MLB.com, uh, you pull up the splits on just about anything. And it's great because it really does tell you a lot of. So batting leadoff this year, he's uh, 15 games. He's batted leadoff this year, and in 67 plate appearances, he's got a 266 batting average. All right, in batting second, which he's done by far the most in 87 he's games. He's not. He, he's not the moving over guy. 245 batting average, same on base percentage, 299 both why, spots. Why put him in the two hole for that? I guess it's just a one at bat of the game. But why put him in two hole and take away? All of his tools. Put him in the one hole, and my man standing on second or third before your second or third hole hitter comes up. Right? Mm-hmm. Creates so much more offense. Plus, he can go deep. Plus, he can do whatever he wants. So many different options where you put this kid. Now, Sh- not it. Schwarber this year, batting first. I bet he's legit in tool. Batting first, Schwarber this year, 78 games. He's got a 193 batting average, 328 on base. Walks. And he's hit 23 home runs. That's batting leadoff. Batting leadoff. He's walked 60 times. And I get it why they do it because I'm just I'm just I'm just finding the feel out of the bullpen. What do I have in the game? Here's a little. I'm always going to throw. I mean, not anymore, but you should always throw a first pitch fastball, right? So this kid's coming up swinging, and I'm going to be a little bit just finding it. He's going to get a pitch to go deep on. I mean, yeah. I get what they're doing, but you also give me the opportunity to throw. I uh, kind of get locked in out of the gate, too, and so I throw a first pitch changeup or a little backdoor cut piece or whatever it is, and then all of a sudden I'm kind of setting the mental side of what I'm doing early. Um, it can work both ways, but again, with I'm coming in just finding my feel, not the guy I want to face. Yeah. I think it's an interesting interesting lineup construction. Well, I just think it was a follower type deal, right? Who started all this? Really, it was the Atlanta Braves and Ronald Acuna. That's really who started this stuff. But they didn't let Acuna do what he was doing this year. Or, or could, can you say it was? Can you say it was the Yankees with Aaron Judge batting second? No, I feel like Atlanta started this before that. But I know there's been players way before him, right? Mm-hmm. Just what I kind of felt. Well, I think it's just been a transition across baseball yeah. where the, the, the saber metrics have shown you that like your best hitter should hit second instead of hitting third, you know, and things yeah, like yeah. that. Like you, there's no the base. The old school baseball mentality of your speed guy leading off, your contact guy There's batting reason, second, though. and then your power guy batting third, your cleanup guy. Like batting fourth, when you were a kid playing baseball growing up and it was like, you're batting fourth, it's like, let's go. Let's go. I'm batting cleanup. Now, yeah. it's, now it's like I kind of get insulted. You know, like I want to be batting second. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I just don't want, and again, it's the only, it's only that one at bat because then it all changes after that. Sure, I don't know sure. if you're batting second next inning after. Yeah. But I don't need Trey Turner wasting his at bat getting uh, getting my guy over. But I have to get my guy over. Mm-hmm. Right now, is he the right guy to do it? Yeah, he can do everything. That's why he's so, so, so good. But I also want Trey Turner to almost always, because he will be the team guy, almost always be in that position to where he can get himself on base because all he has to do uh, – Acuna, mm-hmm. right? All he has to do is get on base. And now I'm so worried about him because that walk, that single, whatever it is, uh, that error because he's so fast. Um, all he has to do is get on base. And now I worry about him so much. He's more likely going to steal. But now my attention is over there. And so it's not on you at the plate. And I'm going to make more mistakes to you at the plate. So my focus is I don't want to get him in a position too often to where he's getting guys over. I want him to be the guy that I'm always on. My brain's always on. And so that's where that protection is, right? Mm-hmm. That's where, and then you have whoever, let's say it's Bryce, right? And then you have JD Martinez, by the way, I didn't say his name. JD Martinez hitting next. 
Um, and now I got to really focus on these two kids. I'm locked in mentally. I have to make perfect pitches, right? These guys just made me stressful. Stress have to over. That's why that lineup becomes so so dangerous. Mm -hmm. And the way you construct it, right? What is doing to my brain on the mound? Well, that's uh, the dangers of the Philadelphia Phillies here. There's a few teams like that. Yeah, there are a couple of dangerous teams. I think it's going to be an exciting Major League Baseball postseason because as much as we love the Braves and we love the Dodgers, I don't think that anybody's running away with anything right Why now. Why are the Dodgers good right now? Is it because... Because they have two MVP candidates? <laughs> well, Freeman's ridiculous. Yeah, Freeman and Betts. And Mookie's really yeah. good. But what happens after that? You think I'm afraid of Max Muncy? No, sir. Home run or strikeout? Uh, yeah. Uh, please bat, right? Who else? Will Smith. Right. Yeah. Great power guy. Love yeah. him. Right. Who else? See, I'm saying their lineup is not as as dangerous to me, but they're so good at playing team baseball. They're so good mm -hmm. at playing fundamental baseball. They're so good at working the counts. They're so good at doing things that we don't discuss. That's why the Dodgers are always so good. And they take their time. They don't rush anything. They've been down this road. They don't panic. They do everything right. They, they give everybody an opportunity to get right to get healthy so the starting pitching who has not been their forefront this year has not been the the, the starting pitching that we've been used to mm -hmm. um they're getting better the bullpen's been awful why are they so hot right now because they're just a team huh yeah yeah the offense is great too so uh dangerous yeah so back up i went to uh toronto Yes. This weekend. Well, I want to talk to you about Toronto because oh. we're going to get into uh, best bets here oh. uh, now on the pod. And I'm going to give a best bet for tomorrow, Wednesday's games. And it involves the Toronto Blue Jays. So before I give you the play yeah. on the game of the Toronto Blue Jays, tell me about your trip to Toronto. Well, well I'm talking from a betting perspective, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I'll take the Blue Jays tomorrow. Um, it's throwing programs, right? So Ryu is facing rookie Logan Allen. So I'm watching him warm up, and this is about. And I always notice this. I would talk to my managers, like in minor league baseball, and I would let them know, "Hey, we got this today. Watch it. We'll put up eight or on the starter, or whatever the case may be. Or hey, we're gonna have to have good team at bats because this kid's he's he's where he needs to be. Mm -hmm. Or I'll just tell you about my guy because I'm watching my guy warm up. It's how they play catch. So I'm watching the game. I got you know the people we're with sitting next to me, and one of them's a huge baseball fan. And he goes, what do you think? You know, you're kind of locked in. He's like, where are you looking? And I was like, I'm just going back and forth. I'm watching Logan Allen over here and across the way. I'm watching Ryu. Um, and their angles, right? So as I'm getting loose and my adrenaline starting to, to increase, I have to establish downhill, down and away, extension side. When I can get the ball down extension side or the way I play catch, when I can throw the ball on a line the way I want to, um, it's easy once I get extension down and away to come and work myself back up. I can do whatever I want. But when I'm up early and I can't get back down there, trying to all of a sudden get myself down in a game is going to be impossible because that adrenaline that kicks is almost it's, – it's, it's just it's – not, it's not likely. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. And so – I'm watching these guys warm up and talking about the veteran presence or whatever you want to call it. The veteran, this is, I've been here, I've done it, um, I understand, I trust, I don't panic. Ryu is just working down here the whole time. He's playing catch low. He's setting his break him on his changeup and his fastball low. Mm -hmm. And then he's working almost from like ball down into the strike zone. Uh, Logan Allen was up. I told him, I said, I hadn't seen Logan Allen throw one pitch below maybe the top of the thigh, the entire bullpen. And he said to me, he goes, what does that mean? And I said, what it means is he's going to come into the game flat. There's nothing he's going to be able to do. And then once, and he's a young kid too, he's a rookie. I said, so once he gives up a home run or whatever he gives up and the anger kicks in, 
how is he going to channel that, right? And then the Blue Jays, knowing their offense, have been struggling so bad offensively. Um, you know, they'll take advantage of it, but then they have, the reason the Blue Jays are struggling to, to me is they're not willing to get guys over. They're not willing to give up their at-bats. They're not being, unless asked, they're not being team-friendly at-bats very often. And so they got guys, I mean, they got shut out, like, I think once a week for like five or six weeks in a row. Some stat that the guys were telling me downstairs in the clubhouse about their offense and how often they've been in shutouts. Crazy. Because they're not willing, for whatever reason, and maybe they're not even being asked. I don't know. I'm jumping off topic here. But the Jays aren't really doing what it needs to score a run. And I'm like, listen, you got one of the best starting pitching rotations in the world. Get these guys the one or two runs that they need. Stop mm-hmm. trying to put up a five spot when Hinge and Ryu doesn't need it. You say Kikuchi's having a great season. Like, give... Give Alabama Noah try to score ten for him because he needs it right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm watching Logan Allen pitch, and I, I haven't seen a ball, and I can see there's a fence line too, and I, there hasn't been a ball working angles from below the whole time. And you're judging all this in warmups. Well, warmups, yeah. Mm-hmm. Watch him play catch, but more his bullpen, right? And so I'm noticing that he can't get the ball down. So now his speed might change, but his elevation is the same. So the ball's staying on eye level the entire time, um, and he goes out there for sure. He goes out there, and. Four innings, he gave up. And I'll say this too: Rio gave up a home run, but it was a first pitch fastball belt high to Ramirez. Yeah, and he and he and he, and he got it. Logan Allen, thing, four four innings, uh, five runs on six hits. Yeah, gave up three in the first. Yeah, yeah, he just and everything was. And you could tell based on the warm up, one hundred percent. And, every, and it, these guys were like, it was like double, double, double. Everything was thigh high, and they're just lacing in the gap. Mm-hmm. They were dead on time. So he also did nothing to get them off time at the same time, because you know he's a young kid trying to feel his way into that. Uh, now he he did. Okay, but there were such stressful pitches early in that first inning that he remained stressful the whole way. So mm. then his gassing never got to be in calm mode. And so then he was just in a bad position the rest of the way. And so it was never going to be good for him. And it wasn't. Yeah. But it was all based on his warm-ups. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Um, well, I'm going to back the Blue Jays tomorrow. Yeah, Pat- Patrick like Corbin's it. pitching for the Nationals. Right now, the early line up on DraftKings is Blue Jays minus 238. Run yeah. line, though, Blue Jays minus 115 at minus a run and a half. Now, I don't mind that. Now, I usually hate betting on a home team to cover the run line because you're not guaranteed the ninth inning at bats. No, that's the one. That's the biggest reason why. Yes. But the Blue Jays are the eighth best offense in Major League Baseball against left-handed pitching this season. Repeat that set. The eighth best offense, WRC Plus, against left-handed pitching this season. And Patrick Corbin is not having a good season. No. And so I think that you have a lefty in Patrick Corbin on the road going up against this Blue Jays lineup that mashes lefties. I think Toronto's going to put up a, a decent amount of runs here. I like their team total over as well. And on the flip side, Chris Bassett's going for Toronto. And I mean, you and I have talked about splits before. Bassett's got very good home road splits. At home, opponents are batting 191 against him. Mm. On the road, they're batting 284. My thing about Bass, too, is this. Um, and you get a little deeper look, but he's given up 4-3-4. He dealt... At Boston, interesting. And then he gave it up four. So one, two, three, four, five, five. His last five starts, three times he's given up four. And that concerns me. And it's been like almost like every other start. Four, one, four, three, four. So, you know, logically that means he's going to have a good game, right? Or maybe they, um, maybe, maybe play the over. And then there's that. And then we see the other side of who's playing. And then I got to go into who he's pitching against, too, right? So if C as he face them again, for me, it's all things that I do as well. Um, <clears throat> but the fours have been kind of alarming to me. Now, he didn't start the season that great. I mean, he had that stretch where, he, you know, he'd given up 
six, seven, and then zero, and then two, and then eight, five, right? Like he's, he's, he hasn't been the typical Chris. Now, again, he's had a lot of different things going on this year, uh, addition to his family, et cetera. Um, but then that's why we go over to the other side too. And we look and you like the lefty splits for Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do like that. And then we go over here and look at P Corb. He's, he's been really good lately. Six and three, six and one, five and one, six and a third and three. So his month of August is great. Does this fall two and oh with the two seven? So he's been really good. And this is versus the Yankees, not a very good offensive team. This is versus Boston. This is at Philadelphia. Five innings, one hit. This is at Cincinnati. Oh, the run was unearned as well. Like, so he's been pretty good. So then. I watched last night's game, and I watched tonight's game, um, and I got to see how I feel. Josiah Gray was really off, but he's one of the better pitchers I think we've seen this year, but he was a little bit off in the first inning and, and noticed in the first inning yesterday. And watch that, too, for your in-game betting. So Josiah Gray comes in. They had already scored a run. I didn't see how Washington scored. And then Springer comes up, and I think well, it was a couple innings in a row, but Springer comes up, and he's leading off. And it was like he was missing arm side up and in. Like I was saying, he didn't get that extension down at all. He was missing arm side up. And they were close, but they're high. And then he was trying to go back down and cut it off, and he couldn't find it. He couldn't find He never got that extension to where it was just a flick of the wrist or flick of the fingers or just mm-hmm. something out here. It was all back here because he couldn't find it. And so his misses were so much. And then he every, like, 3-1 pitch, it was like a cutter or slider. Like he, he just wouldn't challenge anybody, right? Yeah. And so you saw from there. Now, he did it with Snyder. He walked in the Snyder's been unreal uh but he walked him on four pitches and he just would never he would never challenge these guys and so if you saw that early that kind of led you into like all right i don't know what the jays are going to do in the first inning but i like where we're at right now because and they scored four in the second did they really yeah yeah and then so they do that right so these are things like if you're an in-game better you got to look for as well now some people probably look at it like well i bet the jays and they gave up one so i got a little bit of a better line, so I'll bet them because that original two dollars is now probably one sixty or something, right? So then you're, you know, mm-hmm. people do that as well, which I don't mind. Um, it's just the way I look at it is the other way, right? And it's not an exact science, but it's just based off feel off what I yeah feel like I've known. Um, fun stuff, but yeah, I just uh, when I can't find my release point, stuff look fine. But when I can't find my release point, you, you just feel lost out there. That's interesting. So, from an in-game perspective, yeah. watch where the pitcher is missing in the first inning. Yeah, if, he, I mean, if, if he's miss, missing, if he's high missing high, maybe place an in-game bet against him. Yeah, and if he's missing low, maybe he'll find it. He might yeah, find it. He yeah, might find it. Who does it all the time is the kid Justin Steele with Chicago. He's incredible. Yeah, he misses low because of his arm slot because he's mm-hmm. very relaxed. He doesn't force anything. But when that kid's missing low early, he like a lot of us go. We miss low and we try to jump to the middle of the strike zone. No, come up an inch. Come up an inch. Mm-hmm. Come up an inch until I get the call and stay there. Plus, I'm not trying to make a drastic change. I'm making a subtle change, subtle change. So my body's feeling the consistencies of what I want to do because it's so subtle. Still, he's the best at it. When he's missing low, he slowly climbs up mm-hmm. and then he lives there. And there's nothing you can do. And then he starts pulling the string, right? Remember, <laughs> hitters can see height. They can see location. They can see spin. They can't see speed. And when you start getting in, a, in an area where they can't, like down and away, right? When you start getting in areas where it's hard enough to hit and then you start changing speeds, there's nothing they can do. He's great at it. He is former Major League pitcher Josh Towers. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Head to pregame.com. Take advantage of 
a variety of discounted packages we have available for you and you can get an additional 20% discount by using our promo code JOSH20. Josh20 will get you 20% off at pregame.com, whether you want a daily best bet package or a season-long subscription. Maybe you jump on board for the remainder of the Major League Baseball season through the postseason. Take 20% off using the promo code JOSH20. We'll talk to you next time right here on RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the Major League Baseball Edition.